0: Hello, goblins and ghouls, and welcome to My Haunted Life Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Hertshorn, and today we continue through the Pacific Northwest with a lovely short story for you today about what has been referred to as America's happiest haunted house. Good morning, my lovely spooky babes, my goblins and ghouls. How are you today? I hope you are having a wonderful day because you deserve it. Happy early Valentine's Day. I have always loved Valentine's Day. I think because my father always made a big deal about it with the family. Like, it was a family thing. Like, I don't think my parents ever Ever went out for Valentine's Day. Instead, they always stayed home with me and my brother. My dad always made sure to buy us little chocolates and a stuffed animal or a knick-knacky majigger. In fact, anyone who's been in my shop, there's a picture of the Hubs and I in the corner on a shelf. There's a little pewter alien in front of it. That's a Valentine's Day present from my dad. And I'm just realizing I might have s- told this story before on the podcast. That's okay. I We're just going to go with it. I just feel like deja vu very extremely. Somebody go back to like the Valentine's Day episodes last year and let me know. Anyways. Uh, it wasn't until college that I actually met people that hated Valentine's Day and it was such a weird foreign concept to me like in high school I never had a boyfriend I actually had a guy break up with me right before Valentine's Day so he could take someone else out for Valentine's dinner classy I always planned dinners with my friends singles couples whoever wanted to come so the long story here is the whole point of all this is no matter how you feel about the day I hope you take some time that day this week whatever for some self love because you deserve it. Total sidebar. This year for Halloween combination of Valentine and Halloween, I made creepy Valentine stickers over on the Heart and Horn store website, including two cute little ghosts holding skeleton hands. I was very proud of myself for that one. They are only $3 for those that are new here. That's my company where I make a whole bunch of stuff for sale, including leather hair slides, witch hats, poppets, that kind of thing. I should really make an ad for the podcast for it maybe next week so a little bit more housekeeping and i promise it'll be hopefully quick i know i don't usually do this how much housekeeping already but i'm going to try to get through it quickly i promise so i'm not sure if anyone has noticed yet But there has been a giant overhaul of everything My Haunted Life podcast online. I forgot how much of a pain it was to manage everything like the podcast, the website, the Patreon, social medias, and we all know I'm not the greatest at it anyway. So I decided to make it easier. I'm on a new podcast host that actually makes updates to the website automatically. That's really exciting for me. Uh, Now, photos and videos, I'm still figuring out. According to the new podcast host, they are working on a photo gallery option for their website, so hopefully that comes out soon. But for the time being, I'm posting everything on Patreon. I've posted all the pictures from the Shanghai tunnels over there already, so if you haven't gone to check it out, go check it out. I'm still getting used to the new system, but I'm excited about it. it. It's nice to have a fresh start for the year. Let's be honest, it's me. There will probably be bugs or things I missed or something like that, so please let me know if you find any issues that I can fix. Yes, I know the header photos on the website, the new website that hasn't connected yet, are all goofy. I know that one. Um, But yeah, another fun sidebar slash housekeeping. Remember last week how I was trying to figure out what to do for the fall season, since I got sick with COVID and couldn't travel like I like? Well, my buddy Rain, a frequent guest on the podcast, was in town for our friend Candy's birthday, who's also been on the show multiple times. We went up to the Black Monarch in Victor, Colorado for an overnight stay with a bunch of people. The hotel's supposed to be haunted, but all of Cripple Creek and Victor are quote-unquote haunted. And honestly, I don't really give a lot of those places a lot of credence I was definitely skeptical going in like obnoxiously so and we had some weird things actually happen like really freaking weird I was shocked I was like it it was awesome so we're going to do a full trip up to Victor and Cripple Creek for some episodes. I can't wait to tell y'all what happened at the Black Mart. It was, it was impressive. It was freaking insane. And the really cool thing is that both Rain and I experienced it together. And Rain had the same experience as our new friend Mindy when Mindy had stayed there previously. I, I, I was honestly incredibly impressed, so definitely make sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast so you can catch those when they come out this fall. Okay, I am sick of housekeeping, and I know you guys probably are too. On this week's episode, I'm going to tell you the history and hauntings of the Pittock Mansion in Portland, Oregon. I figured we needed a sweet story for Valentine's Day. I also wanted to take a break from the darkness of the Shanghai tunnels. It was a lot last week. Anyways, I was lucky enough to visit the beautiful Piddock Mansion while we were out there with the Oddities and Curiosities Expo last year. I was not prepared for how gorgeous this place was. It's all tucked up on this incredibly tall hill that just weaves through this extra green and dense rainforest. When you get to the top of the hill, the house just emerges from these trees quite suddenly. The house itself is a beige-gray with red roofs, and from the back it looks almost like a fortress. Like, when we first got up there, I was kind of like, really? This is it? This is what everybody's excited about? I mean, it's cool, okay. But if you go to the front of the house with roses and a view of Mount Hood and the Portland skyline, it is to die for. These giant windows. Oh, it's, it's what you think of when you think Giant, ridiculous mansion. It's lovely. Oh, and the interior. Well, we will talk about that in a little bit. So, let's get into it, shall we? Grab yourself a cup of tea. Maybe something with roses again, because that becomes honestly a really big part of this story as well. It's Portland, after all. Make sure the doors are locked and the sage is close by. I have a story to tell you. Henry Pittock. 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 I've heard both. Henry Pittock was born in London, England, but grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. In 1853, When Henry was 19, he headed west on the Oregon Trail to seek his fortune. A year later, his future wife, Georgina Burton, left Missouri with her family and headed west as well. When Henry and Georgina arrived in the area, Portland was a frontier, quote unquote, stump town. One of the many nicknames for Portland. Competing with Oregon City to become the major trade and industrial center for the region. Henry found work as a typesetter at the Oregonian at the time when the newspaper industry was financially risky and fiercely competitive. More than 30 newspapers were launched in Portland during this time. That's insane. Piddick met his soon-to-be-wife, Georgiana, a year after moving to Portland. On June 20th, 1860, Henry and Georgiana married, and five months later, he was given ownership of the paper in exchange for back wages. Henry went on to transform the Oregonian into a successful daily newspaper that is still printed today Henry Pittock built a financial empire by investing in real estate, banking, railroads, steamboats, sheep ranching, silver mining and the paper industry The man was diverse He was an avid outdoorsman, bicycle enthusiast and was among the first group of men to climb Mount Hood. Georgiana Piddock became a founder and fundraiser for many charities and cultural organizations, such as the Ladies Relief Society, Women's Union, and the Martha Washington Home, a residence for single, self-supporting women. I think that's pretty cool. Henry and Georgiana desired to live in the West Hills of Portland for their summer retirement home. Oh, the time of the Barons. Like seriously, you guys, it wasn't until the early 1900s that Henry Piddock started planning his mansion on the hill on property that had panoramic views of Portland, the Willamette river and the distant cascade mountains. A lot of accounts said the construction started in 1909, but according to the Piddock Mansion website, it wasn't until 1912, so I was confused by that. So, we're going to go with 1909 for the time being just because it's a little bit easier. Uh, where am I? Construction which began in 1909, Henry picked Edward Foulkes, yeah, a San Francisco architect to bring their dream home to life. The mansion was designed to capture the view of downtown Portland and the Cascade Mountains. As a result, it has a unique oval shape with wings attached at a 45 degree angle. The mansion's 23 rooms include a library, music room, Turkish smoking room, sewing room, five large bedrooms, and two sleeping porches. The curved wooden floors in the mansion's round and oval rooms are one of its many artistic features. Piddock, I should just say Henry, it makes more sense. Henry requested the most up to date electronics and luxuries money could buy. Again, the freaking barons, man. Because of this, it took Folks and his team an exceptionally long time to complete the mansion. The mansion was 16,000 square feet. The luxury in- electronics included a central vacuum system, intercoms in all of the rooms, specialty lighting, an elevator, a restaurant-sized walk-in refrigerator, and a private shower that was like a human car wash with horizontal needle sprays to reach all parts of the body, including a liver spray and a toe tester. I don't know what that is, but uh, sounds fancy. The mansion's interiors featured styles handpicked by folks, including French Renaissance, Edwardian, and Turk-ish, Turkish architecture. There's this one room with all of these wood pieces that come together, like on the floor, it's one of the, the floors, that come together like a mosaic and it like builds from the floor up to the wall. It's like one of the like crowning pieces in this house if you go in because I'm really into the architecture when it comes to the history tour. So it was, uh, it's really interesting. I think it was just folks showing off. It's insane. I have pictures. Don't worry. Henry and Georgiana moved into the home in 1914 with eight other members of the family. After the completion of the mansion... Folks became a well-known name in upper-class circles. The mansion soon became a high-class hangout for Portland's upper-class community. Georgiana enjoyed being a socialite in these circles. She delighted in taking leisurely strolls with her friends around the many gardens on the grounds. The grounds are insane. I didn't even attempt to go into them very much because there's so much there. George Anna especially enjoyed tending to her many rose gardens. There's your roses. In fact, she helped to create Portland's Rose Society, which held the first ever rose show in 1889. This led to the launch of Portland's famous Rose Festival, which is still celebrated to this day. The Piddock Mansion is right down the road from the International Rose Test Garden, where in 1915, Jesse A. Curry, Rose Hobbyist and Sunday editor of the Oregon Journal, convinced city officials to institute a Rose Test Garden to serve as a safe haven during World War I for hybrid roses grown in Europe. Rose lovers feared that this unique plant would be destroyed in the bombings. Unfortunately, it wasn't completed until after Georgiana's death, but I bet she would have loved it. Portlandians really do love their roses. Anyway, sadly, both Henry and Georgiana passed away roughly four years after construction of their beloved mansion. Georgiana died at the age of 72 in 1918, and one year later, Henry followed his wife. The Piddock mansion remained in the family, passing from from one relative to the next, but maintaining the upkeep... Of an old mansion was starting to get very expensive. In 1958, grandsons Eric Ladd and Peter Gutenbein, Good? I don't know why I, I went so German there, but okay, uh, they decided to sell it. The mansion sat empty for four years and was hit by the Columbus Day storm on October 12, 1962. We're talking about the Columbus Day Storm and a couple of podcasts about Portland. It was kind of a big deal. This major windstorm was... It was insane. It had Category 3 hurricane winds. Some gusts were recorded up to 130 miles per hour. The winds damaged roof tiles and window panes on the Pittock Mansion, which allowed water to drain into the mansion. By 1864, the mansion was in poor condition, and developers expressed interest in tearing it down and turning this estate into a subdivision. Which I can totally understand. It's a gorgeous location. Which I'm not usually for that, but I'm like, I, I understand that one. Dedicated citizens of Portland rallied and assisted the city in raising funds to purchase the property for $225,000. When you see this place, it's insane to think. It's it's less than a quarter of a million dollars. Uh, This included $67,500 raised by citizens alone. Which I think that's really cool. The work needed to restore the mansion and transform it from a private residence to a public space took 15 months. In 1965, Piddock Mansion opened to the public as a historic house museum. In 1968, the nonprofit Piddock Mansion Society was formed to take on the responsibility of furnishing the mansion, taking care of the collection, and providing educational activities. This place was greatly loved by its inhabitants. No wonder they wanted to stick around. Right after this, I'll be back to tell you about the hauntings of Piddock Mansion. A side note on today's episode. When I travel, I like to ask Uber drivers and bartenders and anyone else I can, basically, about some of the local haunts. I, I, I seem to find the best places that way, and I always hear a really good story at the very least. Three times from three different people I had them bring up the Piddock Mansion as a place to check out, but not for the reasons I thought. (laughs) All of them told me about how the wife of the mansion, so I'm assuming Georgiana, but I'm not sure, maybe one of the daughters or nieces or somebody, I don't know, But one of the women in the house used to do illegal abortions in the house. And the babies were buried in the walls, sometimes in the gardens. I'm assuming the Rose Gardens. One of the Uber drivers said that his father's uncle's friend or somebody, someone like that, had broken into the house when it was still abandoned and had heard the babies crying in the walls, and women screaming in pain. The fact that I heard this story from so many people, I figured I would find something on it. At least the legend somewhere online from a source I could cite, and nothing. I found no stories or legends about this anywhere. I searched and searched and nothing. Even the questionable sites that just list hauntings without any historical research or investigation. Nothing. I was shocked. Absolutely shocked. So, I don't know where this story comes from and why the locals seem to all know it but I felt like I needed to add it in here because it was a part of my adventure. If anyone has any information for this, please, please, please contact me. I am so freaking curious where this came from. Now, on what I did find when it comes to reported hauntings. Since the 1960s, Visitors have been reporting strange activity in and around the Piddock mansion, which makes sense. Renovation always stirs up the ghosts. Now, like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, this might be the happiest haunted house in America. From everything I found, there were no malicious spirits anywhere in the house. Most people assume that the ghosts are the spirits of Henry and Georgiana Piddock to talk. whatever. You guys, if you are all at all sensitive to spiritual energy and have social anxiety, prepare yourself for this place. I always wear my iron and kyanite everywhere and that's usually pretty good at keeping things pretty base level for me, but there's just a lot going on here. In the front parlors where the family would entertain guests, it was so thick. I felt my chest clutch up, like, but like, it felt like if you were in a party with a bunch of people you don't know and they all seemed really t- much taller than you for some reason. It was just the weird vibe I got. It was a bit strange and I definitely started to get a little panic attacky, but. Nothing negative, like I said, just felt like I was in a large group of people. There were a lot of tourists, but not, not like what should be causing me to react this way. The highest reported activity happens in the upper rooms of the mansion. Footsteps are of unknown origins have been reported They happen at random, according to staff members, and at all hours of the day. Visitors report that upon entering the rooms, they immediately smell the intense scent of rose perfume. Staff believes that this is Georgiana making her presence known, even though I didn't get the smell of roses anywhere. I do think I might have had an encounter with Georgiana, but it was in her music room downstairs. I got the distinct feeling that since it was a pretty busy day, she was down making sure none of the tourists were messing with her stuff. I think she is still very much the lady of the house and likes things her way because A lot of the reports of the hauntings just sound like a lady doing things in her home the way she likes. Staff report seeing windows in the mansion open and close themselves as if they had a will of their own. Some of the strangest reports involve human-like shapes moving furniture, pictures, and even houseplants from room to room. One story on hauntedhouses.com fits the vibe and I have to share it. A childhood portrait of Henry has been moved around the mansion by unseen hands. Perhaps she has better ideas as to where the picture of her beloved should hang. One visitor reported hearing a picture fall off the wall in one of the rooms. When she went to investigate the sound, she watched as a woman wearing a long gown picked up the broken, I'm sorry, the fallen pitcher from the floor. A staff member came up behind the, wind, the woman and asked if she was okay. The woman turned back around to see that the woman in the gown had vanished. One female employee got the scare of her life as she closed up the building for the night. Part of her job involved turning off all the lights in the mansion. After all the lights were off, she began locking all the doors, including the front door of the mansion. As she turned to leave for the night, all the lights in the mansion switched on. Another report has a visitor apparently seeing a reflection of an older lady in the glass of a painting. Another encounter I found talks about an apparition of an old woman being seen in the basement, keeping a visitor company. Now, the basement is not what you are probably picturing when you think basement. It's an old billiards room. Although, fun thing, though, there's no indication that they ever actually played billiards. They just bought it, the table, because that's what you did at the time? I thought that was funny. But since then, uh, it has been transformed into an art gallery. And it is really beautiful. Then, There is also the back hallway near the bathrooms, which, okay, whatever, back hallway. No, you guys. It is all white granite leading to the exit door. It's gorgeous. But I just love this idea of this little old lady ghost hanging out there with a visitor. I'm like picturing like another grandma type just hanging out by the bathrooms waiting for people to get out and this ghost spirit is hanging out with her until she just disappears i love it henry is around too. an unseen presence described as strongly supportive has been felt by the staff and visitors as well apparently some sensitive individuals have felt an unseen presence escorting them around the mansion, following them like a good host would. One source reported that Henry may have been physically seen but I couldn't find any actual details. Just, he was seen. And, Georgiana and Henry are not the only ones that loved the house and chose to stick around. Outside near the northern side of the mansion, visitors report hearing the sound of a shovel hitting the ground. Soon after, the sound of heavy footsteps stomping away towards the mansion can be heard. Staff believes that These are the sound of the groundskeeper going about his daily routine. Like the Piddocks, the groundskeeper lived and died at the mansion in the Gate Lodge. He has been seen in the garden still working. He also seems pretty chill just going about his days working in the garden. According to the Piddock Mansion website, the estate steward, James Skeen and his wife Marjorie and later his daughter Marjorie with a slightly different spelling, lived in the Gate Lodge. I'm not sure when they moved in. The website says the Gate Lodge was first occupied in 1914 by the Pittox chauffeur and his wife. And then when they moved out, The Skeen family moved in and didn't move out until 1953, about five years before the grandson sold it. I'm wondering if the ghostly groundskeeper is James Skeen. I tried to ask one of the ladies working at the mansion about the ghost, and she was not having it. And Jess reiterated that the tour was a historic one and it was a historic house. So I left it at that. In my research, I came across quite a bit of YouTube videos, blogs, and articles of people going to the Piddock Mansion on a regular history tour and pulling out ghost hunting equipment, usually apps on their phone, One of these articles talked about how the would-be ghost hunter kept running into these Belgium tourists, like running into them to get away from things. This is so weird and kind of wrong to me. One, the contamination of evidence. And this is a self-guided tour first off. So you are literally just wandering the house by yourself you just go from room to room, read all the historical plaques. So you don't know who is going to come in behind you. It, it just... It's like bad science at that point. I don't know how you could trust anything you captured at that point. There's people always around. I know when we were there, there were a ton of people there. I never even thought about pulling any equipment out. I have a ton of videos and photos because the house is gorgeous, but otherwise it was weird. Uh, Two, this seems like it would be so obnoxious to the other tourists and staff. Just imagine trying to enjoy a lovely museum day and someone comes around the corner talking into static and beeping. I personally think it's rude. I can't help but wonder if this is why the ticket lady was so short to me about the ghosts in the house she probably thought oh shit another one so just a friendly reminder when you go ghost hunting please get permission and please be smart about it if you don't get permission go somewhere else other than obnoxious ghost hunters there have been some truly horrific things filmed at the Piddock Mansion. I'm going to tell you all about that right after this. Oregon was a big place to film movies. I, I don't know if it still is, but I guess I didn't understand how many locations there are in Oregon to the point that there is an adorable film museum in Astoria. The museum was once the county jail and was actually used in the opening of the Goonies. It, it's really cute. I highly recommend. The Piddock Mansion, though, I don't remember it in the museum, but it has been the location for quite a bit of of movies. In 1979, whoops, nope, in 1977, the mansion appeared in the film First Love, starring critically acclaimed romance stars William Catt and Susan Day. The mansion played a critical part in the story as the character's home, In 1989, the mansion became haunted, quote unquote, in The Haunting of Sarah Hardy. Morgan Fairchild and Sella Ward starred in this spooky movie, which received critical acclaim. I found it on YouTube for free. The description says, as a child, Sarah witnesses her wealthy mother's suicide. Later, as a young bride, she is haunted by her mother's voice and other strange manifestations. Is it her imagination, someone playing tricks on her, or her mother's dead spirit? I tried watching the very, very beginning, and it, um, it's a little rough, but I still want to watch it all the way. Uh, Madonna and William Defoe starred in the 1993 film Body of Evidence, which was shot primarily at the mansion, and later in 2008, the mansion was the finish line for the Emmy-winning reality game show The Amazing Race. Probably one of the most famous, at least locally, was 1982's slasher movie Unhinged. Shot primarily at night, the mansion's exterior interiors and exteriors were both a large part of the movie. Apparently it's pretty graphic. You know, 80s slasher. And well there's some questionable themes that make it a favorite discussion topic of movie scholars. I found this analysis on Wikipedia, and it definitely gives away the ending. So if you don't want any spoilers, I would say, I don't know, fast forward 10, 20 seconds for safety. It said, Unhinged has been noted by some film scholars for it's dealing with themes of repression and gender dysphoria. Robert Kettle analyzes the character of Morian, the villain who is a biological male presenting as a female. Unhinged portrays the society of women as monstrous, pervish abhorrence, which corrupts the male, and ironically, consumes itself. The killer, whose aggressive gaze is coded as masculine, considers such young women grovelling, subhuman figures, and his crimes are in part expressions of the person he was forced, he has been forced to become, the gender he has been forced to adopt. It is self-hatred and gender confusion, as well as it is misogyny. Kettle connects these elements of the film as being inspired by Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. So, regardless of the content of the film, Portlandiers were happy to help and received their own spot at the end of the credits from the film's production team. I did read one article that if you find anybody who was around at the time, they they'll they'll tell you they helped on the movie. Probably. I think it's I mean it's it's cool. There were a lot of movies like that at that time, unfortunately. I think that we should do a movie night, though, and watch it. Watch it or the other one. The, the, was it? The Haunting. I lost it. The Haunting of Sarah Hardy. One of those. Or both. Double feature. Piddock Mansion double feature. I think that sounds fun. Uh, I also think maybe make it a drinking game and take a drink every time you see the Piddock Mansion exterior. Just an idea. I also found this one on YouTube, and both movies are linked in the show notes. The Piddock Mansion is open for tours, and mission varies by age, and all of the information can be found via the Piddock, Piddock, Piddock Mansion website. Entrance to the grounds, however, is free. It is completely worth. The visit. And who knows, maybe you'll run into one of the spirits enjoying their afterlives. I mean, spending the afterlife in your dream home and gardens doesn't sound that bad if you ask me. Thank you to everyone out there listening today. My Haunted Life Podcast is written, researched, produced, edited, and hosted by me, Angela Hartshorn. If you are interested in more pictures, info, and my sources for this week's episode, make sure to check out my website, www.myhauntedlifepodcast.com. Remember, like I told you at the beginning of the podcast it's hopefully going to be updated very soon it's getting there that I, I need to switch things anyways make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode if you have any information about today's episode you want to tell me about like you know the the baby ghosts at the paddock mansion or a ghost story to share Please email me at myhauntedlifepodcast, podcast, all one word, at gmail, or you can write me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all of those. And those are all my haunted life podcasts. All one word. I, I try to keep it simple. While you're there, please like and follow and comment. It honestly makes my day. And make sure to tell your friends and family about it. Word. Of mouth goes a long way also if you like what you hear and support the show please subscribe to the patreon page you can support the show for as little as two dollars a month as of right now all the pictures from my adventures are posted on the patreon page and right now they're free I don't know if I'll do the two dollar a month little thing But for the time being, until I get everything figured out, they're free on there. So definitely go check it out. Music is by Ghost Stories Incorporated. And that's it for this show. I'll see you all next week on my Haunted Life podcast. And until then, stay spooky.